Hello, Ashley Brock here with a new book. And because my husband loves me, he brought it home to me today. I haven't read it. And it's from the Volatile Texan series. He said he went to the dollar store to get him something for breakfast this morning. And he was on his way home and he saw that they had a Diane Palmer book there. And he looked at it and he saw it said Long Tall Texans on it. And he knows I have a bunch of those. And he's like, I really hope you don't already have this book. He's like, and I bought it for you. It's called Alexander and JB. So it's a two book series. And uh, so here, let's see what it says. It says, enjoy two classic Lone Star romance. This is from New York Times bestseller author, Diane Palmer. Alexander. Ever since DEA agent Alexander Cobb gave Jody Claiborne a Texas-sized brush off, they've been sworn enemies. But eight years later, he can't believe Jody has turned into such beauty or that he'd have to beg her to help him crack a drug smuggling case. Soon the two are drawn closer together, and when danger follows him home, Cobb will risk anything to protect the woman he can't resist. Ah, intrigue. <clears throat> J.B. Rule number one, never settle down. J.B. Hammock treated women well, but with no strings attached. They gladly accepted. So sweet Tilly Maddox, and when Tilly lost her memory, he couldn't be so heartless as to push her aside, so he played his role. So friendship turned into something deeper than a heartbreaker like JB had ever intended. Oh, they should be good. <laughs> Alright. So we'll start with the first book in the chapter. In the thing. Alexander. Prologue. Hmm. Alexander Tyrell Cobb glared at his desk in the Houston Drug Enforcement Administration office with barely contained frustration. There was a photograph of a lovely woman in a ball gown in an expensive frame, the only visible sign of an emotional connection. Like the conservative clothes he wore to work, the photograph gave away little of the private man. The photograph was misleading. The woman in it wasn't a close friend. She was a casual date when he was between assignments. The frame had been given to him with a photo in it. He'd never put a woman's photo in a frame, well, except for Jody Claiborne. She and his sister, Margie, were best friends from years past. Most of the family photos he had included Jody. She wasn't really family, of course, but there was no other Cobb family left, just as there was no other Claiborne family left. Three survivors of the two families were forced were a forced mixture of different lifestyles. Jody was in love with Alexander. He knew it, and he tried not to acknowledge it. She was totally wrong for him. He had no desire to marry and have a family. On the other hand, if he'd been seriously interested in children and a home life, Jody would have been the top of his list of potential mates. She had a wonderful qualities. He wasn't about to tell her so. She'd been hung up on him in the past to a disturbing degree. He managed to keep her at arm's length, and he had no plans to lessen the space between them. He was married to his job. Jody, on the other hand, was an employee at a local oil corporation, which was being used as an international drug smuggling operation. 
Alexander was almost certain of it, but he couldn't prove it. He was going to have to find some way to investigate one of Jody's acquaintances without letting anyone realize they were being watched. In the meantime, there was a party planned at the Cobb Ranch in Jacobsville, Texas, on Saturday. He dreaded it already. He hated parties. Margie had already invited Jody, probably because their housekeeper, Jesse, refused to work that weekend. Jody cooked with a masterful hand, and she could make canopies. Kiri, Carrie had been invited, too, because Margie was a buddy, budding dress designer who needed a friend in the business. Carrie was senior buyer for the department store where she worked. She was pretty incapable, but Alexander found her good company and not much more. Their relationship had always been lukewarm, and even now, it was slowly fizzling out. She was demanding. He had enough demands on the job. Put the picture face down on his desk, pulled a file folder close, closer, opening it to the photograph of a suspect drug smuggler who was working out of Houston. He had his work cut out for him. He wished he could avoid going home for the party, but Margie would never forgive him. He didn't show up. Neither would Carrie. Carrie and Alexander would never hear the end of it. He put the weekend to the back of his mind and concentrated on the job at hand. Mm, I'm going to keep going. Chapter 1. There was no way out of it. Margie Cobb had invited her to a party on the family ranch in Jacobsville, Texas. Jody Claiborne had gone through her entire repertoire of excuses. Her favorite was that, given the right incentive, Margie's big brother, Alexander Tyrell Cobb, would feed her to his cattle. Not even that one had worked. He hates me, Margie. She groaned over the phone from her apartment in Houston, Texas. You know he does. He'd be perfectly happy if I stayed away from him for the rest of my natural life and he never had to see me again. That's not true, Margie defended. Lex really likes you. I know he does. She added with forced conviction, using the nickname that only a handful of people on Earth were allowed to use. Jody wasn't one of them. Right. He just hides his affection for me and bouts of bad temper, laced with sarcasm. Came the driver reply. Sure, Margie replied with failing humor. Jody lay back on her sofa with a freedom phone at her ear and pushed back her long blonde hair. It was getting too long. She really needed to have it cut, but she liked the feel of it. Her great eyes smiled as she remembered how much Bertie Vance liked long hair. He worked at the Ritter Oil Corporation branch office in Houston with her and was on the management fast track. As Jody was, she was administrative assistant to Brody, and if Brody had his way, she'd take his job at Human Resources Generalists when he moved up to Human Resource Manager. He liked her. She liked him, too, of course. He had a knockout girlfriend who was a marketing division manager in Houston, but she was always on the road somewhere. He was lonely, so she had lunch frequently. So he had lunch frequently with Jody. She was trying very hard to develop a crush on him. He was beginning to notice her. Alexander had accused her of trying to sleep her way to the executive washroom. I was not, she actually remembering his unexpected visit to her office with an executive of the company who was a personal friend. Had played havoc with her nerves and her heart. Seeing Alexander unexpectedly melted her from the neck down, despite her best efforts not to let him affect her. Excuse me? Marjorie replied aghast. Jody said, nothing. She said, sorry, I was just thinking. Did you know that Alexander has a friend who works for my company? There was one. He does? Jasper Dufkin, the human research manager for our division. Oh, yes, Jasper. There was another pause. How do you know about that? Because Mr. Duncan brought him right to my desk while I was talking to him. Well, 
to a good friend of mine, my boss, right? The one he thinks you're sleeping with. Margie, she exploded. There was an embarrassment. Sorry, I know there's nothing going on. Alex always thinks the worst of people. You know about Rachel? Everybody knows about Rachel's mother. It was six years ago, and he still throws her up to us. We did introduce, <laughs> we did introduce him, Margie said defensively. Well, how were we to know she was a female gigolo who was only interested in marrying a rich man? She should have known better. She should have had better sense than to think Alexander would play that sort of game anyway. You do know him pretty well, don't you, Margie? We all grew up together in Jacobsville, Texas, Jody reminded, sort of. She had defensively. Alexander was eight years ahead of us in school. Then he moved to Houston to work for the DEA when he got out of college. He's still eight years ahead of us. Come on. You know you'll hate yourself if you miss this party. We're having a house full of people. Derek will be there. She had to sweetly try to inject the lure. Derek was Margie's distant cousin, a dream of a man with some particular peculiar habits and a really weird sense of humor. You know what happened the last time Derek and I were together? Judy said with a sense of overburning. Oh, I'm sure Alexander has forgotten all about that by now. She was sure. He has a long memory, and Derek can talk me into anything. Jody added worriedly. I'll hang out with both of you and protect you from dangerous impulses. Come on, say yes. I've got an opportunity to show my designs. It depends on this party going smoothly. And I've made up this marvelous dress pattern I want to try out on you. For someone with all the body of a clothes horse, you have no sense of style at all. You have enough for both of us. You're a buddy fashion designer. I'm a lady executive. I have to dress the part. Baloney, when was the last time your boss wore a black dress to a party? Jody was remembering a commercial she'd seen on television with men in black dresses. She howled, thinking of Alexander's hairy legs and short skirt. Then she tried to imagine where he'd keep his sidearm in a short skirt. And she really howled. She took Margie. She told Margie what she was thinking, and they both collapsed and laughed. Okay. Okay, she captivated at last. I'll come, but if I break a tree limb over your brother's thick skull, you can't say you weren't forewarned. <laughs> I swear, I won't say a word. Then I'll see you Friday afternoon about four, Jody said with a I'll rent a car and drive over. Uh, Jody? She went, all right, Margie, all right. I'll fly to Jacobsville Airport, and you can pick me up there. Great. Just because I have two little bitty-fitty fender benders, she wondered. You totaled two cars, Jody, and Alexander had to bail you out of jail after the last one. Well, that stupid, thick-headed barbarian deserved to be here. He called me a, well, never mind. But he asked for a punch in the mouth, Jody fumed. Margie was trying not to laugh again. Anyway, it was only a small fine, and the judge took my side when he heard the whole story. She said, ignoring Margie's quick reminder that Alexander had talked to the judge first. Not that your brother ever let me forget it. Just because he works for the Justice Department is no reason for him to lecture me on the law. We just want you to arrive alive, darling, Margie told. Now throw a few things into a suitcase. Tell your boss you have a sick cousin you'll have to take care of before rush hour, and we'll... I'll meet you at the airport Friday afternoon. You phone and tell me your flight number, okay? Okay, Jody replied, missing the slip. See you then. We're going to have a ball. Sure we are, Jody told her. But when she hung up, she was calling herself all sorts of names for being such a weakling. Alexander was going to cut her up. She just knew it. He didn't like her. He never had. He'd gotten more antagonistic since she moved to Houston, where he worked to further. It would probably... 
mean a lot of work for Judy, Jody, because she usually had to prepare family meals if she showed up. The family cook, Jesse, hated being around Alexander when he was home, so she ran for the hills. Margie couldn't cook at all, so Jody usually ended up with KP. Not that she minded, it was just that she felt used from time to time. Despite Margie's assurances, she knew she was in for the fight of her life when she set foot on the cob ranch. At least Margie hadn't said anything about inviting Alexander's sometimes girlfriend, Carrie Dane, a weekend with the elegant buyer for an exclusive Houston department store would be too much. The thing was, she had to go with Margie. Go when Margie asked her. She owed the cobs so much. When her parents, small Jacobsville ranchers, had been drowned in a riptide during a modest Florida vacation at the beach, it had been Alexander who flew down to take care of all the arrangements and confront a devastating 17-year-old Jody when she entered business college. Alexander had gone with her to register and paid the fees himself. She spent every holiday with Margie since the death of the Cobb's father and their inheritance of the Jacobsville Ranch property. She spent her vacation every summer there with Margie. Her life was so intertwined with that of the Cobb's that she couldn't even imagine life without them. But Alexander had a very ambiguous relationship with Jody. From time to time, he was affectionate in his gruff way, but he also seemed to resent her presence, and he picked at her constantly. He had for the past year. She got up and went to pack putting the antagonism to the back of her mind. It did no good to dwell on her confrontations with Alexander. He was like a force of nature, which had to be accepted, since it couldn't be controlled. The Jacobsville airport was crowded for a Friday afternoon. It was a tiny airport compared to those in larger cities, but a lot of people in South Texas use it for commuter flights to San Antonio and Houston. There was a restaurant on two concourses, and the halls were lined with beautiful paintings of traditional Texas scenery. Jody almost bowed under the weight of her oversized handbag and the unruly carry-on bag, whose wheels didn't quite work. She looked around for Margie. The brunette would be hard to spot because she was tall for a woman and always wore something striking, usually one of her own flamboyant designs, but she didn't see any tall brunettes. What she did see, and what stopped her dead in her tracks, was a tall and striking dark-haired man in a gray-vested business suit, a man with broad shoulders and narrow hips and big feet and hand-tooled leather boots. He turned looking around and spotted her. Even at the distance, those deep-set cold green eyes were formidable. So was he. He looked absolutely furious. She stood very still, like a woman confronted with a spinning cobra and waiting while he approached her with the long, quick stride she remembered from years of painful confrontations. Her chin lifted and her eyes narrowed. She threw in a quick breath and geared up for combat. Alexander... Tyrell Cobb was 33. He was a senior agent for the Drug Enforcement Administration. Usually, he worked out of Houston, but he was on vacation for a week. That meant he was at the family ranch in Jacobsville. He grew up there with Margie, but their mother had taken them from their father after the force and had them live with her in Houston. It hadn't been until her death that he they finally been allowed to return home to their father's ranch. The old man had loved them dearly, broken his heart when he lost them to their mother. Alexander lived on the ranch sporadically even now when he wasn't away on business. He also had an apartment in Houston. Margie lived at the ranch all the time, kept things running smoothly while her big brother was out shutting down drug smugglers. He looked like a man who could do that single-handed. He had big fists like his big feet, and Jody had seen him use them once on a man who slapped Margie. He rarely smiled. He had a temper like a scolded snake. 
and he was all business when he tucked that big 45 automatic into his hand-tooled leather holster and went out looking for trouble. The past two years, he'd been helping to shut down an international drug lord, Manuel Lopez, who died mysteriously in an explosion in the Bahamas. Now he's after the dead lord, dread, dead drug lord's latest successor, a Central American national who was reputed to have business connections in the port city of Houston. She developed a feverish crush on him when she was in her teens. She written him a love poem. Alexander was typically efficient, had circled the grammatically and spelling errors, and brought her a supplemented English book to help her correct the mistakes. Her self-esteem had taken a serious nosedive, and after that, she kept her deepest feelings carefully hidden. She'd seen him only a few times since her move to Houston when she began attending business college. When she visited Marjorie these days, Alexander never seemed to be around, except at Christmas. It was as if he'd been avoiding her. Then, just a couple of weeks ago, he dropped by her office to see Jasper. Been a shock to see him unexpectedly, and her hands trembled on her file folders, despite her best efforts to play it cool. She wanted to think she'd over outgrown her flaming crush on him. Sadly, it had only gotten worse. It was easier on her nerves when she didn't have to see him. Fortunately, it was a big city, and they didn't travel in the same circles. But she didn't know where Alexander's office or partner were, and she didn't ask him. In fact, her nerves were already on edge right now. She's from the level intense stare of those green eyes across the crowded concourse. She clutched the handle of her wheeled suitcase with a taunt grip. Alexander made her knees weak. He strode toward her. He never looked right or left. His gaze was right on her the whole time. She wondered if he was like that on the job, so intent on what he was doing that he seemed relentless. He was... He was a sexy beast, too. There was a tightly controlled sensuality in every movement of those long, powerful legs and the way he carried himself. He was elegant, arrogant. Jody couldn't remember a time in her life when she hadn't been fascinated by him. She hoped he didn't show. She hoped it didn't show. She worked hard at pretending to be his enemy. He stopped in front of her and looked down his nose into her wide eyes. His were green, clear as water with dark rims that made them seem even more piercing. He had thick black eyelashes and black eyebrows that were as black as his neatly cut, thick, straight hair. You're late, he said in his deep, gravelly voice, throwing down the, ga the gauntlet at once. He looked annoyed, half out of humor, and wanted someone to bite. I can't fly the plane, she replied sarcastically. I had to depend on men for that. He gave her a speaking glance at her. The car's in the parking lot. Let's go. Margie was supposed to meet me. She muttered, dragging her case behind Margie knew I had to be here anyway, so she had me wait for you. He said enigmatically. I never knew a woman who could keep an appointment anyway. The carry-on bag fell over for the tenth time. She muttered and fine. She just picked up everything up. You might offer to help me. She said, glowering at her companion. His <laughs> eyebrows. Help a woman carry a heavy load. My God, I'd be stripped, lashed to a rail, and carried to Houston by torchlight. She gave him a seating glance. Manners don't go out of style. Pity I never had any to begin with. He watched her struggle with the low green screen eyes. Dancing was very bit She was sweating hard. I hate you, she said through her teeth as she followed along. That's a change, he said with a shrug, pushing back his jacket as he dug into his slack pockets for his car keys. Security guard spotted the pistol on his belt, came forward menacingly with meticulous patience and very carefully alexander reached into the inside pocket of his suit coat and produced his badge and id he had it out before the guard reached them 
mentioned, wait a minute. He said and moved aside to check it over there. Maybe you're on a wanted list somewhere. Jody said that you said, maybe they'll put you in jail. Will they check out your ID? If they do, replied Donovan. Rent a cop over there. We'll be looking for another job by morning. He didn't smile as he said it. Jody knew he meant what he was saying. Alexander had a vindictive streak a mile long. There was saying, there was a saying among law enforcement people that Cobb would follow you all the way to hell to get you if you crossed him. From their years of uneasy acquaintances, she knew it was more than mess. <laughs> the security guard came back and handed Alexander his bag. Sorry, sir, but it's my job to check out suspicious people. <laughs> Alexander glared up. Then why haven't you checked out that gentleman in the silk suit over there with the bulge in his hatband? He's terrified that you're going to notice him. The security guard frowned, glanced toward the elegant man. He tugged at his collar. Thanks for the tip, he murmured and started toward the man. You might have offered to lend him your gun, she told Alexander. He's got one of a sort. He had a disgust at the pearl handed sign on the security guard was carrying. Men have their weapons, don't they? She tried. He gave her a quick one. With a mouth like yours, you don't need a weapon. Careful you don't cut your chin with that tongue. She aimed a kick at his chin and missed, almost losing her balance. Result on law enforcement. Enforced officer is a felony. He put it out without even breaking stride. She recovered her balance and went out the door after him without another word. If they ever suspected the rules, suspended the rules for one day, she knew who she was going after. Once they reached his car, an elegant white Jaguar S-type, he did put her bags in the trunk, but he left her to open her own door and get and get in. It wasn't surprising to find him driving such a car on a federal agent's salary because he and Margie were independently wealthy. Their late mother had left them both well off, but unlike Margie, who loved social life, Alexander refused to live on an inheritance. He enjoyed working for his living. It was one of many things Jody admired about him. The administration didn't last. The admiration didn't last long. He Threw down the gallon again without hesitation. How's your boyfriend? He asked as he pulled out into traffic. I don't have a boyfriend. She snapped, still wiping away sweat. It's hot for August, even in South Texas. No, you'd like to have one, though, wouldn't you? He adjusted the rearview mirror as he stopped the traffic light. He's my boss. That's all. Pity. You could hardly take your eyes off him that day I stopped by your office. He's handsome. She said with a deliberate emphasis, his eyes were, folks, don't get you promoted in the Drug Enforcement Administration, he told her. You'd know. You'd worked for it half your life. Not quite half. I'm only 33. <laughs> One foot in the grave, he glanced. You're 25, I believe, and never been engaged. He knew that would hurt. She furthered her gaze to the window until a few months ago. She'd have been about 50 pounds overweight and not very careful. <laughs> about her clothing or makeup. She was still cl clueless about how to dress. She dressed like an overweight woman with loose clothing that showed nothing of her pretty figure. She folded her arms over her breast defensively. I can't go through with this. She said through her teeth, three days of you will put me in therapy. <laughs> that would be worth putting up with three days of you to see. She crossed her legs under her full skirt and concentrated on the road, her eyes caressing the silky brown bird's eye. Bird's eyes maple that graced the car's dash and steering wheel. Margie promised she'd meet me, she muttered, repeating herself. She told me you'd be thrilled if I did, she replied with him. 
You're so hung up on me, aren't you? Yes, with faint sarcasm. She lied. I did not say I'd be thrilled for you to meet me. She raged. I only came because she promised that she'd be here when I landed. I wanted to rent a car and drive. His green eyes narrowed, narrowed on her flesh face. That would have been suicide or a homicide, depending on your point of view. I can drive. You and the dem demolition derby guys, he agreed. He accelerated around a slow-moving car in the powerful Jaguar, growled like the big cat it was named for. She glanced at him and saw the pure joy of the car's performance in his face as he slid effortlessly back into the lane ahead of the slow car. He enjoyed fast cars and gossip, said faster women. That side of his life had always been concealed from Jody. It was as if he placed her permanently off-limits and planned to keep her there. At least I don't humiliate other drivers by streaking past them at jet fighter speed, she raged. She was all but babbling, and after only ten minutes of his company, seething inwardly, she turned toward the window so that she wouldn't have to look at him. I wasn't streaking. I'm doing the speed limit, he said. Glanced at the speedometer, smiled, faintly, and eased up on the accelerator. His eyes slid over Jody's cherishly. You lost so much weight, I hardly recognized you when I stopped by. Dr. Jasper. Right. I looked different when I was fat. You were never fat. You shot back angry. You were old babies. There's a difference. <laughs> she glanced at him. I was terribly overweight. <laughs> you think men like to run their hands over bones, do you? She shifted in her I wouldn't know. You have a low self-image. You still have it. There's nothing wrong with you except for that sharp tongue. He added, look who's complaining. If I don't yell, nobody listens. If you never yell, she protected. You can look at people and make them run for cover. He smiled without mouth. I practice in my bathroom mirror. She couldn't believe she heard that. I need to start thinking about a Halloween costume, he murmured as he made it there. For what? Are you going to hire me out for parties? She muttered. For our annual Halloween party next month, he said with muttered, muted disgust. Margie's invited half of Jacobsville to come over in silly costumes, silly clothes and masks to eat candy. Apples. <laughs> what are you coming at? <laughs> As he glanced at her glaringly, a drug enforcement agency filled out agent. <laughs> she rolled her eyes toward the ceiling of the car. I'll make a convincing DEA field agent. He persisted. I wouldn't argue with that. She had to agree. I hear that Manuel Lopez mysteriously blew up in the Bahamas the year before last, and nobody's replaced him yet. She added, Did you have anything to do with his sudden demise? DEA. DEA agents don't blow up drug lords, not even one as bad as Lopez. Somebody did. He glanced at her with a baseball. In a manner of speaking. One of the former mercs from Jacobsville, I heard. Micah still was somewhere around when it happened. He's never been actually connected with Lopez's death. He moved back here and married Callie Kirby, didn't he? They had a little, they have a little girl now? You know. He's practicing medicine at Jacobsville General at a residence, hoping to go into private practice when he finishes his last semester of study. Lucky Callia. She murmured absently staring out the window. She always wanted to get married and have kids, and she was crazy about Micah most of her life. He watched her curse. Didn't you want to get married too? She didn't answer. So now that Lopez is out of the way and nobody's replaced him, you don't have a lot to do, do you? Yeah. Lopez has a new successor. A Proverbian national living, Proverbian national living in Mexico on an open-ended visa. He's got colleagues in Houston helping him smuggle his product into the United States. 
you know, who they are? She asked excitedly. Gabriel Coleman. Oh, sure. I'm going to tell you their names right now. You don't have to be sarcastic, Cobb. She said icily once the guy with her. You're the only person I know outside work who uses my last name as if I w it was my first name. You don't use my real name either, don't I? He seems surprised. He lands up. You don't look like a, Jordan, a Jordana. I never thought I looked like a Jordana either, she said with a sigh. My mother loved odd names. She even gave them to the cats. <laughs> I remember her mother made her sad. She lost both parents in a freak accident during a modest vacation in Florida after her high school graduation. Her parents had gone swimming in the ocean. I have no idea that the pretty red flags on the beach warmed of treacherous riptides that could drown even experienced swimmers, which her mother and father were not. She could still remember the horror of it. Alexander had come to take care of the details and get her back home. Odd how many tragedies and crises he'd seen her through over the years. Your mother was a sweet woman. You go. I'm sorry you lost her. And your father. He was a sweet man, too, she recalled. It had been eight years ago when she could remember happy times now, but it still made her sad to think of it. Strange, isn't it? They don't think I, after either of them, he asked Cascu. No man in his right mind could call you sweet. Stop right there, cop. She threatened using his last name again. It was much more comforting than getting personal with the nickname. Margie used for him. I can say things about you, too. What? That I'm dashing and intelligent and the answer to a maiden's prayer? He pursed his lips and glanced away as he pulled in the road in the legend ring, which brings up another question. Are you sleeping with that airheaded boss of yours at work yet? He is not airheaded, she explained, offended. He eats tofu and quick. He drives a red convertible of uncertain age, plays tennis, and he doesn't know how to program a computer without crashing the system. That was far too knowledgeable to have come from a dossier. You've had him checked out. Chikus with certainty. He always smiled. It wasn't a nice smile. End of chapter one. <laughs>